Welcome back to Beyond the Balefire. Before we jump into episode 10, The Green Man and the Wild Magic of Summer, I wanted to say thank you for being here. If you're new, if you're not new, I went on a very unexpected hiatus. I didn't tell anybody and it was a lot longer than I expected it to be. So if you're here, thanks for being here. Thanks for sticking around. I am so, so grateful to be headed back towards the fire with you, sharing magic and wonder with you again. I had a really tough last semester getting my degree finished out, but I did finish it out. I'm graduated and uh, I just really needed to focus on that for a while. And after I graduated, I had some very big life changes happen right after the other and I live in a new state now, new house. So I'm settled in, the chaos is settling, and we're finding some peace over here. So I'm really excited to get back into the podcast with you, sharing in more magic and fireside chats. Now, that being said, let's jump into today's episode. I'll meet you by the fire. Today, we are going to be discussing masculine energy and how that plays into the wild magic of the end of summer. And we're going to be exploring masculine energy from a magical lens. So before we jump in, I just want to go ahead and express that it is my personal belief that gender is a spectrum. It's a spectrum in the world. It's a spectrum within us. And however you choose to identify on and within that is totally valid. When I use the terms masculine or feminine, that's because I am describing something's collectively perceived attributes and that might not even be my own personal way that I perceive it. Oftentimes I view gender as a and both you know kind of situation. I see duality in most things. So for the sake of this discussion today just know that if I say XYZ holds this masculine energy for this reason know that tacked on to the end of that sentence is an unspoken to me. Okay? You might feel differently about the gender I assign to a deity or an element or something like that. And that is totally fine. We can disagree and still find presence and value in one another's magical paths. We can still learn from each other. We can still discuss with each other. So I just wanted to go ahead and tell you how I feel. Everybody's path is completely personal and it is completely valid. That's how we feel over here at Beyond the Balefire. And I just needed you to know. Little side note on the sub subject of gender and all of that, I am really looking forward to doing a deep dive into gender and deities and folklore and magic because, oh man, the rabbit hole goes so deep when it comes to non-conforming deities and gender identity. And it's just absolutely fascinating. So keep a lookout for that. But for now, let's jump into this episode talking about the green man and the wild magic of summer. Have you heard of the green man? If you hadn't, I would be surprised. You've definitely seen him somewhere because the legend of the green man spans across time. He has taken many, many names over the years, such as Jack of the Wood, Jack in the Green, John Barleycorn, Puck, Robin Goodfellow, the Green Knight, Hearn the Hunter, the Horned One or the Horned God. Yeah, you've probably heard that one before. 
The Green Man is a legendary figure. But what makes something legendary? Well, legends and legendary figures withstand the test of time. Sometimes outlasting change, but oftentimes ebbing with its flow and taking on many forms as they evolve and continue on. The Green Man is one of the oldest legendary figures of folklore, and like I said, his reach is pretty far. He has been a constant presence in the UK and Ireland for thousands of years, but early imagery of the Green Man stretches back to the ancient Middle East and even Far East Asia. He has inspired many a literary character, such as Tolkien's Treebeard, Semeshta from the Wheel of Time series, Peter Pan, and in one of the oldest living legends, The Tale of King Arthur, it is commonly accepted that the Green Knight, or Sir Gawain, is the Green Man. Not just inspired by him, but is him. Is the embodiment of the forest. Now, when it comes to the world of folklore and mythology, when we use the term living to describe something like a living practice or living tradition or living legend, this means it's living history. Whatever we are referring to is still happening today in its respective culture. So when I refer to the legend of King Arthur as a living legend, that is because it is still very much a part of the folkloric practices and beliefs of Wales to this day. I'm kind of obsessed with this legend and the rabbit hole is so deep when you start looking into the legend of King Arthur and it's uh, many different tendrils of influence in other cultures, not just Wales. So because of how deep that rabbit hole is, I am going to be doing a three-part series on that very, very soon. So keep a lookout. But for now, let's get back to the Green Man because he is freaking everywhere. He could be in your house right now. But don't freak out. Don't let that scare you. Do you currently have a giant can of green beans or peas in the very, very, very back of your pantry that you are never going to touch like me? Well, if you do, the Jolly Green Giant might be in your house right now. Another alias and another figure inspired by the Green Man. Like I said, his reach goes far. Jack of the Wood has made his way into our very homes. Maybe now you can start to understand just how long he has been around by how incorporated he is into our regular existence. His imagery goes far beyond your pantry though, and it's most often found in, ironically, churches, specifically European churches and architecture. Specifically, one particular motif of the Green Man can be traced all the way back to what is modern Naples, to a stone face emerging from a wall of a temple that was erected around 400 BCE. Yeah, that's crazy. But this is because it was a Roman temple and the Romans loved to standardize things. Thanks, Romans. So the image of the green man did not escape the Romans' desire to standardize absolutely everything in their life. So this face emerging from a stone wall from 400 BCE is considered to be the likeness of 
Bacchus, or Dionysus due to the Romans' efforts to standardize even that which was unstandardizable, the gods. If you want to see this face, you can take a peek at our Instagram. It will be linked in the show notes below and check it out for yourself. It's pretty incredible that it is still so obviously the green man and so well-preserved after all of this time. The basics of the green man are this. He is the embodiment of the wild, of nature. He is the bridge between man and nature. And usually he is depicted as a face mask. So not a full body figure, not like a statuary that you would see of, you know, Venus or Mars or whoever, any deity you pick. It's usually just his face that you see. And this face mask is either made up of greenery or emerging from lush greenery with three common versions. The three versions are the foliate head, which is a head or face made up of vegetation, like his beard, face, everything is made up of leaves, twigs, and berries, etc. Next is the disgorging head, where his face is either spewing or consuming foliage from his mouth. This version is considered to be the sort of menacing version of the green man because it's really not truly known as to whether he's creating nature by spewing it out of his mouth or if he's acting as a destroyer by consuming it all. The third most common version is the bloodsucker head in which vegetation spews from all of his orifices. I I know I mentioned some kind of blood thing every time, every episode, but it's not on purpose. Uh, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> but I don't know why they call it that. Uh, that's just what they call it. You can look it up. It's, it's, I can't argue with academia. Okay. This is from academia. It's not from me. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I am sorry. One of these days we'll get there. Perhaps <laughs> the presentation of the green man almost always being just a face or head is why so many deities across cultures, across the world, are considered green men or are linked to the green man in some way and why this figure has made it safely through the annals of history and persevered right on into today. Like so many deities I love, his nature is cyclical, just like the wilderness he personifies. Everyone involved in the magical community will at some point meet the idea of the triple goddess. The triple goddess is an archetypal figure embraced in many neo-pagan and spiritual traditions. And essentially, the triple goddess is three distinct aspects of one being. So it's three beings in one, or one and three, with the most popular being the maiden, mother, and crone. The Triple Goddess is a mixed bag of opinions in many magical communities, but it seems that, for the most part, everybody loves a Triple Goddess. However, it's not just goddesses that can be triplicates. There is a religion, you might have heard of it, it's called Christianity, where their capital G God is a triplicate. He's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he's one deity. Now you get the idea if you didn't before. <laughs> the idea of triplicates isn't really new. A lot of people like to say that the triple goddess is a very new age Wicca thing, and while the triple goddess might be, 
the idea of a triplicate deity is not. The whole reason I mention that is because the Green Man and many of the deities that fall into the category or are linked to being a Green Man can also be considered triplicate deities. And that is just fascinating to me. I love triplicate deities. I love learning about them. I love reading their stories. I love reading how they are three in one. And the Green Man is no different. So let's look at the three forms of the Triple Green Man and how he manifests throughout spring, summer, and fall. We're going to take a look at those aspects and the energy and lessons that they can bring to the table should you decide to work with him. Or even if you don't, it's still very interesting to learn about. First, the Green Man is born again in the spring, ushering in the returning of the light, encouraging us to rejoice in the exquisite renewal of the earth, the harmony of a world returning to its promised harmony and green vibrancy. In his first aspect, he represents the masculine side of rebirth and renewal. He is the virility of fertility, the energy of a primordial promise, not just certain, but eager and ready to be fulfilled. The green man is a primal deity figure. He is the personification of the primordial promise of life. Though the beginning of spring feels almost delicate, sometimes that it's over super quickly, especially where I live, it's like spring can sometimes just happen overnight. One day you'll see a single daffodil poking through a scraggly side of interstate and then you wake up the next day and bam, everything's green. That delicate and playful tease of spring is foreplay for the green man. He is ready and willing to make it happen right now for you. He is teasing and taunting the entire planet with his influence and potency because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that everything and everyone's full consent to just explode into life is all eyes on him right now. He knows we want it and he knows we want it real, real bad. And we just don't know when it's going to happen. And he revels in that power. He revels in the ability to hang on to our attention that way and our desire for the warmth and the light and the vibrancy of life. It's honestly quite sensual. And working with the green man is not really for the faint of heart. Especially in the spring, you better be ready for whatever work you're doing if you call him in to work with you in the spring. He's excellent to work with at this time for fertility magic, for abundance magic, for sex magic. Whew. I can say that from personal experience. I've not done anything with partners, but I have definitely blessed toys with his uh, blessing and you know, invited that energy into my play with myself. And I watched my self-worth and value and how sexy I felt and how, you know, I looked at myself as a sensual being completely transform with working with him in that place of sensual sex magic and calling in my sensuality by working with him as a figure of healthy divine masculinity, inviting healthy divine masculinity into my life, inviting it into my sensual and sexual self-pleasure was life-changing for me. 
So you can apply that to anything in your life. Anything you're ready to fucking explode into, he is excellent for that in the spring. And he is everywhere. He's extremely accessible. You know, he doesn't really require much as far as, you know, offerings go because he is just so eager to seriously just fall into the flow of life with you. He wants to see you living. That's really the energy that I have experienced and others that I have spoken with that have had their own experience with him have experienced, especially in the springtime. You know, if the green man were a D&D character, he would probably be chaotic neutral because that's what nature is, you know? It's a symbiosis of beauty and cruelty at the same time. He would also probably multi-class as a bard cleric, but that's just personal gnosis and my nerdy <laughs> headcanon and besides the point. Anyways, the point is, spring lures you in. It lures you in with the promise of lush life. And then the reality of everything being vibrantly alive just sets in. And you have to embrace the fact that surviving and thriving go hand in hand. It is simple the level of difficulty that changes. Our ancestors worked really hard during the summers to, and the spring, the spring, summer, and the autumn, honestly, but the summers to ensure that their survival in the cold months was as easy as it could be. And it's no different for nature. When summer comes and the green man is in all of his summery glory in his second aspect, the heat sets in. And the sun-drunk daydreams of spring are shattered by need and desire to continue, to prosper, to grow your stores, to find stability. In the height of summer, all of nature is not just blooming and vibrant, but it's in competition for space, for water, for light, for food. Flora and fauna are all hungering to fulfill their potential of their species. By late summer, there's a languid, full feeling to everything. It's almost like dancing on the edge of a cliff, but in slow motion. <laughs> you continue this way and you might eventually fall over the edge, but those few moments of feeling entirely alive, wild, and free are completely worth it. So you keep dancing on that edge. Throughout the summer and the late summer, the green man dances through the wild places with us. He dances and brings rainstorms that both destroy and quench bone-deep thirst. His song calls forth the winds of change, the breath of life. His mischievous lips speak truth through smirks, as he says to you, all this, all of this, will eventually come to an end, only to be gloriously reborn. Feel it in your veins, the pulse of the earth. Take my hand, become the storm, Lick your wounds, child. Taste the ebb. Taste the flow. Tomorrow will come, but tonight is forever. Sweet surrender and sweet seduction is better. This all beasts of the forest know. The green man understands the hunger of summer. He understands the hunger for survival and stability. For the release of the hunger for survival and stability. He plays both sides. He encourages us to give in to that hunger fully, 
to surrender to our humanity and feel it. To feel it. To feel our emotions. To feel our body. To feel how human we are. To feel each other. Ruthlessly, he encourages us to feel. He encourages us to trust that what must be done will be done. But to remember that the sweat dripping down the back of a lover is just as salty as the sweat of hard work dripping into your eyes. The reality of summer is a languid, full energy that can suffocate you if you let it. The green man understands this. He understands the brutality of summer, and he brings an unmistakable lesson of acceptance and relief and release within them both. That comes truly from being present. I preach on this all the time, but being present is like a cheat code to life. The heat is brutal. I hate being hot. But oh man, the absolute ecstasy that comes when you are floating on a river in that heat or under the most perfect tree with the most perfect shade and a breeze rolls by and tickles your neck or, you know, wiggling your toes in the sand as the waves of the ocean wash little seashells seashells around your ankles. Just finding a moment to be fully human and allowing yourself to be messy in that not just in the moments of ecstasy and connection, but also in the brutal moments of struggle and strife and toiling to get what you want done so you can know that you're good at the end of the day. Just fall into that and be there just for a moment and allow yourself to be messy and present at the same time. See what that would do for you. If that sounds scary, you could ask the green man to help you out with that. And I'll give you a little bit of a customizable visualization at the end where you could do that if you wanted to. And if you don't want to visualize, you could simply put a call out into the universe to help you find that moment of glorious, rapturous presence in whatever you're going through. Now is the time. It is the late summer and the light is fading regardless of whether we want it to or not. So how are you going to harness the last light of summer for yourself? I trust in the omnipresent duality of the world. The ecstasy, the brutality of it all. I see it reflected in nature all the time. I'm a botanist, you know. I'm a horticulturist and plants are my thing. So I am up close and personal with this idea. And that is the green man's ultimate lesson. At least in my experience. His energy is confident in the nature of things. In the nature of that ecstasy and brutality playing side by side. He's the power that comes with that knowing. The confidence in that being the way things are. And riding the line between them. His energy is confident. It's masculine. It's balanced. It's healthy. He helps us harmonize our inner world while we ride that line. And stand confidently in ourself. Capital S self. So that we can be grounded. Present. In our experience. In our body. Whatever that may be. He helps us build a strong foundation for the energies of growth find stability in between so that we can flourish and tune into 
how lush and vibrant life is around us so we can tune into where our roots are going and find deep-rooted healing when we need to. He helps us connect to the world around us and through that our inner world. He can also help you call in joy to yourself, to your experiences. You know, he's, he's like the binding in your book of life, which sounds cheesy, but it's true. Working with the green man means inviting in joy, inviting in power, inviting in wholeness, satisfaction, action, presence, gratitude, reverence, passion, vibrancy, all those wonderful things that are what I consider to be healthy traits of a whole and healthy masculine figure. So if you decide to work with this legendary figure in the summertime, make sure that you're in a place where you're ready to let that energy in. And sometimes that just means checking in with yourself and being honest about where you're at, what you need. Sometimes it's doing the work to shed whatever's holding back from being able to do that and being there to figure out what you need. And that can be really scary. Again, the green man is super accessible and he wants to see you be bursting and vibrant in life. So if that is scary for you, I definitely recommend calling upon him. You don't have to make an offering every time you call on a deity, contrary to popular belief. You can just put a true and honest call out there and see what happens. Offerings and, you know, the nature of your relationship can be worked out later. But in my experience, when you truly need a deity, when you want to start deity work and you truly need the lessons and energy a deity can offer, a true and honest call put out by a true and honest heart is going to be answered. doesn't matter if you have a candle or cakes or ale or whatever other offerings you like give your deities. So you never know. I don't want you to be scared away from working with deities. It's quite a journey and it has its ups and downs, but you don't have to sign a contract with any of them. You know, there's some seriously magical and fun moments to be had, specifically with this deity. This deity, the green man, I work with the green man in the form of Pan. And I have no words humanly possible to describe how much he has helped me along my journey, how much fun, how much passion, how much vitality, how much creativity he's brought into my life since I truly started working with him as my patron deity. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but from personal experience, there are other green men deities I've worked with as well. They all bring such a fun vibe into your life. And a lot of us need that right now. A lot of us need that fun. We need that vitality and that vibrance before the dark months of, you know, going inward come for the winter. It's absolutely possible to embrace and welcome his energy for a day without committing to fully walking a path with him. And if you don't know what walking a path is, when you walk a path with a deity, that is terminology for being a committed or allied follower of the deity in some form or fashion. Now that we got that out of the way, you know a little bit more about deity work, maybe than you did before if you were new to it. Hopefully you're getting a feel for what the green man's energy is really like and how he could potentially help you in your life should you decide that that's what you want. We're going to move on to his last and final aspect where we meet the green man of autumn. 
when the light is waning. And with it, so too goes the green, vibrant pulse of the earth that is his lifeblood. Greens give way to the warmer colors of the earth, reds, oranges, yellows, and all their shades. Everywhere you turn is a reminder of the light. In the autumn, we remember the warmth of spring and summer, and it's lush, green, born of the toil of the heat. And we are now turning towards the darker months, towards the end of the year, where we will soon have to conjure that warmth, both in our physical spaces and our souls. In the words of Ned Stark, winter is coming. And he was absolutely correct. He will be correct forever. Side note, I watched House of the Dragon last night, and it was so good. I am so excited to have more Game of Thrones back in my life. Okay, that's all I'll say about that. But winter is always coming, y'all. Winter is always coming. Life is cyclical, and winter is always coming. There will always be darkness to remind us how precious the light truly is. But this can go deeper than the natural cycles around us. And we can take it inward, into our selves, because ourselves are, we are also cyclical. We go through cycles. I've died and been reborn as a new version of myself a bazillion times. And throughout all of my incarnations, I have tended my inner light. Definitely more now than when I was younger, but your inner light is a fire that must be tended with care, just as much as we tend the body that carries it. A winter coat is just as important as bearing your own torch. Both are different kinds of tools, but indispensable tools nonetheless. A winter coat is just as important of a tool of survival as tending the fire within your soul. And tending the fire within your soul can look like many things. Sometimes it's making an extra effort to make your favorite dish that reminds you of home. Or organizing the space in your home you've been avoiding forever. Or painting because you like to paint even if you're not quote-unquote good at it. Can we get rid of the idea that we can only do art if we're good at it? You can do art just because you like to do art. You don't have to be good at it. You don't even have to apply good or bad or okay or eh, whatever, anything to your art. You can just make art and that's good enough. That's completely valid. You deserve to be creative and tap into that part of life because it's awesome. Anyways, maybe it looks like, you know, watching Titanic because you know it makes you cry and you need to cry, but you can't seem to let it out. That's me. I'm pointing the finger at me. That's what I do. Or maybe it's dancing, because your body needs to feel itself move. Or maybe it's masturbating, while you touch yourself with love and compassion. You know, there are a thousand ways we feed the fire within. Taking care of our bodies, checking in with our bodies so we can see how we can take care of our bodies. Figuring out if we have a strong set of morals and values, and if we're upholding those with integrity. If we are choosing ourselves, you know being selfish in a way that is not harmful. There's a thousand ways, thousand ways to feed that fire within, but they can be a lot harder to do when you're in the dark. We're basically plants, you know, the sunshine makes our brains produce the happy chemicals that we need so desperately to have the motivation to nourish our souls and our fire within. I don't know if you know this, but five minutes of sunshine a day will do wonders for your mood because when you go out into the sun, 
your body starts to produce vitamin D. And that is essential to creating all of those things that make your brain smile. And if you don't go out and get that natural vitamin D, you can actually take vitamin D capsules like supplements. It's not quite as good as just going out in the sun for five minutes, but it will do in the darker halves of the year when the sun is not as readily available to us. And it's like five or six bucks at Walmart and they last forever. Trust me. It's a really excellent investment into your happiness and preparing for the dark half of the year, preparing to take care of your body and your happiness and your brain and your mindset and how you react with integrity to what's going on in your inner world. You know, you're, you can't do that if your brain's not functioning properly. You can't end that fire if you don't want to move and get out of bed. The darker half of the month can, or the darker half of the year, excuse me, can be a really tough time for a lot of people. And those with seasonal depression, seasonal affective disorder, will definitely find a invaluable tool when it comes to getting their vitamin D. It can, it can be like the difference between, you know, a week of being in bed and a day of being in bed. You know, I know from personal experience. Anyways, the green man in autumn. It reminds us to enjoy those last moments of warmth and light, to assess where we've grown, to cherish that. He also invites us to look at what we need to shed and release back into the earth so that when the light returns again, we are ready, ready to flourish and blossom, just like the world around us, because nature is cyclical just like us. You will have a thousand versions of yourself and you will be reborn again and again, just like me. And all those versions of you are completely worthy and valid. You deserve to be cherished. You deserve to cherish yourself. You deserve to release what is heavy and ready to be decomposed into the earth. A wonderful practice to really tune into this energy with the help of the green man is to go out into a place that you feel good or you can watch the sunset. This works for any time of year, by the way, depending on which aspect of him you would like to call upon. This is super customizable. Anyways, you're going to go somewhere that you can feel good while you're sitting down. You can watch the sunset. When you get to that spot, you're going to observe the world around you and how it looks in the golden light of the sun. Notice what the colors, smells, and air of the day feels like around you, of the season. Notice the seasonal things happening in that space. Send a silent thank you, or you could even say it out loud, to the green man aspect that you are hoping to tune into that day. Tell him that you're grateful for him stewarding such life and beauty in the space that you're in, from the observations that you've made. For example, I send out a big beam of gratitude to Summer's Green Man for how incredible the golden light falling on the leaves of this beautiful maple tree I'm under are. I am in awe of the stewardship and how wonderfully you have pioneered the vibrancy in this land. Something like that. Something heartfelt and real. You can say it outside or out loud or in your head. You could also say something like, 
Then I want you to take a few deep breaths. Place one hand on your belly and one hand on your heart. Doesn't matter which hand, just whatever feels good. This time, when you breathe in, visualize that golden light of the sun and the season that you're in, filling your whole body. If you're not good at visualizing, that's okay. Simply say out loud, I embrace the golden light and allow it to flow freely into and through me. And then see how you feel. Check in with your body. See if there are any places that feel like they aren't fully accepting the warm light. Then, I want you to envision roots climbing up from the places that your body meets the ground into the places that the light can't seem to reach. Allow those roots to grow into those spaces and siphon that energy back into the earth. Again, if you're not a visualizer and you don't think you can visualize that, you can say out loud, by the roots of the earth, I send my trapped and stagnant energy down and out to be recycled and renewed. And then you repeat the steps of breathing in the light, checking in, and releasing until you feel full and warm and at peace, full of that light in all of the spaces of your physical and spiritual body. Stay there until the sun has turned from golden light to lavender. And then when you leave, send another silent thank you, a silent beam of gratitude into the space around you and to the green man for sharing such wondrous beauty with you. The green man is an interesting figure. He coaxes the seasons along their path. He's a steward of the rhythms of the cycles all around us. And he invites ourselves to lose ourselves, to dance within those rhythms and cycles, to the primal beauty of it all. At the end of the day, we're just animals finding our place in the world. The sunset happens every day. Witnessing it is up to you. Until next time, listener, thank you so much for joining me around the Balefire. My name is Wish, and I'll catch you.